0: What is up everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest, happy Thursday. Hopefully you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family or friends, watching or getting ready to watch Roland Garros as well. Obviously there's a smaller, minuscule tournament that's happening around this time as well, but it's Roland Garros time, so hopefully you guys are getting ready for that. Uh, in term uh, there's a little bit of news that we can get into for today. In terms of news outside of the tennis world, I do want to discuss the Idol and it premiering at Cannes uh, this past week. I uh, got a five minute standing ovation, which, if you know anything about con is not good. Uh, if you only get a five minute standing ovation, then that says a lot about your movie. For reference, I think Elvis got like a fifteen to twenty minute standing ovation somewhere around that time uh, time period. So. And Elvis was okay, bordering on good, but not as great as people would say. So that's not that good if if it only gets a five minute standing ovation. But uh, yes, The Idol is appearing on Max, not HBO Max, on Max on June 4th, sometime during that period. So it's going to be a. Uh, episodic thing. It'll be like a weekly show, uh, and it will be a show that uh, will be not that great, in my opinion. Uh, based off reports, based off what we've heard about it, it doesn't look like it will be a good show. I hope I can be wrong about it in that it blows my mind, but again, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a good show, and there seems like there seems like there's a lot of internalized drama or internal drama behind the scenes in regards to the production of the show. That reminds me a lot of "Don't Worry, Darling," except not the gossipy relationship part of it, just the the issues in regards to the production of the show. So I do want to discuss the idol. It's a slow news day. It's a very slow news day. Uh, I also want to discuss Ron DeSantis, who will be set to announce his presidential candidacy sometime with Elon Musk on Twitter Spaces. I think it will be announced by today on Wednesday. And my overall thoughts on it. Well, I don't think he will win per se, but I do think he will give a nice, valiant effort to attempt to win against Donald Trump. Uh, Now, obviously, I don't think he's... Fit to be presidential candidate there are a lot of times where you see him where like this guy just seems hungry for power where it seems like he's not really interested in the presidency he just seems like he he wants to check the box right he's done a lot in his life right ivy league ivy league guy who was a part of the navy or or part of the part of the uh, armed forces and then decides to be a politician. This is just another check in the box for him. And it really does feel as if he's not really focused or he's not really interested in caring about the presidency. It just it seems like he just wants another box to check. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I, I do want to discuss Ron DeSantis, who is set to announce his presidential candidacy. The, the goofy stuff that a part, that's a part of this process so far that he's been a part of, you know, him laughing at a reporter's face just maniacally was so off-putting you know there was a video yesterday that was circulating where he was like meeting with people in this like small town or whatnot and he just seemed so not used to the fact that people were talking to him that it came off very robotic And, and it parts of that really made me question his motives for it. So I do want to discuss Ron DeSantis, who is set to announce his presidential candidacy with Elon Musk on Twitter Spaces later today. But first, tennis. So if you guys don't know, uh, the Roland Garros is happening, and uh, there are now betting odds for who will win. Obviously, I'm not a betting guy, and I kind of don't like betting. To be honest with you, I think you know the the normalization of betting in tennis is is not a good thing. You know, I'm I'm not in favor of of betting and gambling especially within sports like for me like there's a lot of issues with it and the more normalized it gets the more i feel as if the more i feel as if we're not really setting ourselves up for a good path when we when we normalize that kind of behavior uh, again don't get me wrong you know if you have the money to you know put some dollars in on your favorite player or whatnot then sure but the normalization of it it, it can be taxing And without proper advice, I do think that it can really deter people or it can really unravel people and and can make sure that their lives are not as secure as they once were without gambling. So I, I do want to say that. I do want to say all that. But I do think that there are certain times where gambling, betting has its perks. And I think the one thing is when it comes to betting odds, right? Because I do think that it does give a good indication or a better sense of an indication as to who will win. So here are the odds for who will win the men's French Open title. So Carlos Alcaraz is scheduled to win uh, at plus 150. Uh, Novak Djokovic is plus 225. I'll just go down the list. Holger Runa at plus 600. Sitsapas at plus 1,000. Daniel Medvedev at plus 1,500. Yannick Center at fifteen hundred as well. Both are tied at fifteen hundred apiece. Uh, Rude is at twenty one hundred, and Alexander Zerva is at twenty five hundred. So overall, this is from a website that I, that I got from yesterday. Um, but there, there was another website um, that I checked out yesterday that had Dominic team. As one of the favorites to win the French Open, I'm like, and what planet? On what planet do you think Dominic team can win the French Open this year? Don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's a very talented player, and he won the 2020 U.S. Open, right? Again, he's he's a, he's won a major before, but it's been at this point nearly three years since that happened. So again, I, I understand, you know, we he won a major, but like, do some due diligence there, right? Like, understand that he hasn't top aided uh, uh at 1000 tournament this past year so like why are you putting that on him like that's just a, that's just a huge chip on his shoulder you're 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 forcing him to go above and beyond expectations you know so again I, I don't know what they're getting at but he was scheduled to to uh he he's one of the he's one of the favorites to win uh, which I I support Dominic team and I think he's a good tennis player, but I don't know if I would put him just yet with the likes of Alcaraz, Djokovic, and Holger Rune and Daniel mevedev to be able to win the French Open. So overall, let, let's break this down. Right, Th- these are the odds on favorites to win the French Open, and I think this website in particular, uh, wherever I got it from, is correct. Uh, obviously, I, I I'm, I'll try not to you know popularize it too much because. If it's a betting website, then it is what it is. I'm not gonna, you know, make it more popular than it has to be. But uh, these are the favorites to win um, the French Open. And overall, I do think that Alcaraz right now is the favorite. You know, yes, he won the Madrid Open. Yes, he's he's done a lot. Right, he's done a lot. Uh, but I do think that for now, based off of what we've seen in the past few weeks or so. I do think that he is one of the favorites to win. I do want to clarify this. I don't think he's the favorite to win. I think whenever you're dealing with tennis, right? And whenever you have Novak Djokovic in the field, you got to pick for Novak Djokovic. It doesn't matter what court it is. It doesn't matter what what type of court it is. It doesn't matter, you know, when it is on the season. If Novak Djokovic is playing in your tournament, he is the odds-on favorite to win. Bar none. Yes, Alcaraz has won before. And yes, he's won the major Open. Yes, he's done all of that. But again, Novak Djokovic has won multiple times in the French Open even when Nova, even Rafa Nadal was playing. That is a testament to how talented Novak Djokovic is. So to simply say that Alcaraz is the favorite to win, I don't think you're doing yourself any type of service when you say that. Especially when you think of Novak Djokovic and how he's in the mix. Right? And I think that 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 matters a lot, you know. Has he had an impressive clay season? Not really. I'm I, and when I, when I say that, I mean Djokovic. I mean he reached the round of sixteen at Monte Carlo. That's cool enough. He reached the quarterfinal at Rome, but outside of that, not so much. He didn't play in Madrid. Uh, obviously, he, he took a one month absence uh, during the month of March because of the vaccine situation in the United States. Uh, so yes, overall, he hasn't had the most impressive 2023 season, but Again, when you think about Novak Djokovic in the majors, you can't count him out. You just simply can't. You can't. I mean, his tenacity, his focus, his drive, his attention to detail, his importance of winning above all, even though he may drop a set here and there, it, it, it's just a hiccup for him. He's he's going to be able to pursue and persevere in ways that we haven't seen from any other tennis player before or after so in my opinion I do think that Novak Djokovic should have the best odds of winning uh, the French Open I don't hate it that Alcaraz is not odds oh, unfair to win but in my opinion I think Djokovic as of now is the fair to win um, Alcaraz has had a pretty good year for the clay season in particular. yes he won the Major Open but again you're dealing with entirely different beasts when you speak of Novak Djokovic uh, I don't know if they'll run into each other. I, I don't know the brackets. I, I I don't know if they're one and two seeds. Uh, if they are, then they'll probably have to face in the final. But if they are like a one and three seed or a two and four seed, I don't know how the ranking is right now. Uh, but that will be a fun, scintillating quarterfinal, semifinal match if that does happen. Uh, if it's a final, then that's ideal. But if, they run, if they're in the same bracket, if, if their rankings are very similar, uh, then that would be, I think, great for for the product. Uh, obviously, there are other players that I think you should keep in mind, right? I, the the thing, the good thing about this year's French Open is that there is parity, right? When you think about Rafa Nadal's absence, that matters a lot, right? I mean, obviously, it's important to have Rafa Nadal play. I mean, and compete for his fifteenth Roland Garros title. Obviously, that's very very important. But in terms of parity, in terms of allowing. Other players to perform well. I think Rafa Nadal's absence will have an effect on that and in a positive way, right? I mean, let's look down the list. Right? Let's let's think about Holger Rune for a sec, right? Holger Rune reached the final Monte Carlo and Rome of this year. That's important. And when you think about Holger Rune last year, I mean, he reached wrong. He reached wrong. Garros quarterfinal semifinal and played against Casper. Ha- Obviously, he lost. But I mean, I think he's making progressive adjustments to his game and to be honest with you, I think that's a great thing. And that's something that you want out of a 20-year-old kid that's on the verge of entering into his more formative years of playing tennis. I think, then yeah, you kind of want that. So Holger Runa, I think he's another individual that I think you got to keep an eye out for. You know, individual that you got to keep an eye out for. Also, as I mentioned before, Kasparud. You know, Kasparud, I-, I think he's at plus 2100. Uh, I don't know what any of these numbers mean, to be honest with you. That's how uninformed i am about betting is that i don't know what any of these numbers mean i just know that the lower the number in the plus range or in the minus range the better it is it's kind of like golf that's kind of how i gauge it uh but Cass root also an individual that i think you should keep an eye out for yes he uh played against nadal last year and lost in Boston straight sets and one of the more unentertaining finals in recent memory yes he is that guy but again, he reached the final of Ron Garros, and that means something. So do I think he will replicate that success? No. I mean, obviously Stiffet Sitzboss is another guy who reached the RG final but then kind of lost it the year afterwards. So I do think that Casper, while I do think he will have some interesting moments, I don't think that he will be able to win Ron Garros, let alone reach there. You know, I mean, and that's something that I I do think that should be kept in mind. So Kasarud, I think that's one individual that, you know, where I I sort of hold my breath for. Like, I don't think that he will win per se, but I do think that he'll shake things up a bit. So do I think he'll reach the second week of the major? I mean, I think so, but I think it just stops there, to be honest with you. I think he he reaches like the fourth round, maybe in the quarterfinal, and then it just stops for him. Uh, Because I do think there are other individuals that are more hungry to be in that spot. Uh, let's talk about Stefan Sitspas as well. Let's talk about Stefan Boss. I think he's another individual that we got to keep an eye out for. Uh, he's at 1,000. Um, he reached, as I mentioned before, the roland Garros final back in 2021, lost in the fourth round to Holger Rune in the 2022 roland Garros uh, fourth round. So who knows? Maybe he can shake things up a bit. Maybe he can go back. And to his 2021 ways and, and just be that dominant on court when it comes to clay. I used to like poke fun at it being like, oh, he's the queen of clay. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, he's not the queen of clay. He's his own person. All right. He's his own person. I think the queen of clay is right now Ego egocentric, but um, he's his own person, right? So I think at this moment in time, I think he's also an individual that he got to keep an eye out for. For me personally, I think I would say Novak Djokovic has the best chance of winning, but that doesn't mean that Holger Runa, it doesn't mean that Alcraz, Sitzipos, or even that, let's say, Medvedev uh, can't win either. And even when you talk about Medvedev, I mean, he lost in the fourth round in Roland Garros last year, but he won this year's Italian Open. You know, so again, that's very, very important. And clay is usually that one surface where Medvedev... I, don't, I won't say that... He stings that, but he does have a love-hate relationship with clay. And it's more so apparent than say on grass, on hardcore. That is the one surface where you can either have a great day, where Medvedev can either have a great day on clay, or you can or he can play on clay and he can be one of the worst players you've ever seen on clay. You know, there's really no in-between with Medvedev. It's either he's very, very hot and he's gonna play the best times you've ever seen or he's going to be very very cold and it can be sloppy and it can be a waste everybody's time it's there's no in between with him so i think that you got to keep that in mind you know this is an individual where if he doesn't lose in the first round then he'll reach the top eight or maybe even top four the final four of ron Garros. uh i think that's something that will that people got to keep an eye out for so those are my overall uh thoughts on Roland Garros this year, obviously this is going to be this is shaping up to be a very very interesting year for Roland Garros because of Rafa Nadal's departure. It will affect a lot of things, and one of those things is the parity within this year's Roland Garros. Because I do think there's going to be a lot of parity compared to last year's Roland Garros and the year before, uh, and the years where Nadal has not been able to play. Uh, so yeah, overall, I have Novak Djokovic as my favorite to win. This year's Roland Garros with Alcaraz behind him and then Mevdeva behind him with Holger I think that's my top four. It's Djokovic, Alcaraz, Mevedev, Rune, and maybe Sitsipas. I, I think that's sort of shaping up to be my like top five. And obviously, it will definitely change as the as the major goes on. Uh, and it's tentative, but overall, as of now. That's my top five heading into Ron Garros. It's going to be a fun weekend, fun two week two weeks, uh, filled with a lot of drama, I assume, and filled with a lot of um, interesting, interesting um, storylines. I think that's going to be a very interesting part of this entire thing. So yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on this year's Ron Garos. I'm not going to film a podcast episode on Monday for Tuesday's episode because obviously it is Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to take that day off Um I, there's just a lack of stories to talk about on Monday and there's a lack of news more importantly uh, to talk about for Monday so I'm like okay I'll take Monday off refocus obviously focus on tennis right but I want to make sure that I get that Thursday's podcast out but I just want to let you know uh, up front that I will not be able to have a podcast episode that will be released on Tuesday uh, there will be other things that i got to focus on, and more importantly, i just got to take that time off as well. So want to be upfront here and tell you that I will not be having a podcast on Tuesday for next week. Just thought I should let you know that. But yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on this year's French Open and my predictions for the tournament in general. So yeah, let's get into news outside of tennis. Uh, obviously, it's a slow news day, um, as I mentioned in the rundown. But I do think that this news story is important, and, uh, and here's the reason why. So Ron DeSantis is set to announce his presidential candidacy with Elon Musk on Twitter spaces sometime on Wednesday, maybe even Thursday. And I don't know if he will win. And I don't even know if he'll fare well, uh, because Trump is just pouncing him in the ratings uh, and in the pro- projected uh, predictions for who will win in the race. He's just, he's just pouncing him in in, in, the, in the overall projections. Uh, but yes, this is from... Uh, NPR. So DeSantis is expected to announce a presidential run on Twitter with Elon Musk. And this is from NPR, as I said before. And by the way, I'm not a big fan of NPR. I'm, I'm just not. I think it's state government-funded media, funded media at, at this point in time. It's just government-funded media. Uh, but the one thing I will say about NPR is that when they announce like a news story, they don't editorialize it. They just... Run the story and they make it as short as possible and as sweet as possible, which is very different than from the New York Times. Because I've been on the New York Times website when I was looking at the story and they editorialized the announcement. I'm like, no, if you're a reporter for the New York Times, if your goal is to make sure that people know about what's happening, don't editorialize it. Just Run the story and then let people in the comment section, if they still have a comment section, talk about it and debate and discuss it. Don't just editorialize the news section; otherwise, it makes my job more difficult. Right? Like my job is just to say the news and then give my own two cents on it. But if you editorialize it, it's like okay, well, like why? What am I doing with? you know, Jessica Cohen's thoughts on DeSantis? Why am I including Jessica Cohen's thoughts on DeSantis in an announcement about DeSantis running for president? Like, why am I saying that? So I, I, if there's one thing that I like about NPR, it's that they don't editorialize the announcement or any news for what, what it is, and they make it short and sweet. So this is, this is uh, from NPR. So uh, Uh, By the way, I'm not a fan of NPR, okay? I'm not a fan of NPR at all. Uh, But that's the one thing that I'll give them kudos for. Uh, So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is is expected to announce his run for president on Wednesday during a Twitter Spaces event alongside Twitter Executive Chairman Elon Musk. During a Wall Street Journal event on Tuesday when asked if he was hosting a discussion with DeSantis, Musk confirmed the event. I'll be interviewing Ron DeSantis and he has quite an announcement to make, Musk teased. He went on to highlight the role Twitter will play on Wednesday. It will be the first time something like this is happening on social media and with real time questions and answers, Musk said. No, it's scripted. So it's going to be live and letter rip. Let's see what happens. Uh, the choice of Twitter as the platform to announce a presidential run is notable. The social media giant was once the favorite platform of former President Donald Trump, who spent two years banned from the side before having his account reinstated earlier this year. He has not tweeted since his reinstatement. Uh, Trump often drove national conversation with a tweet and now uses. The much less popular site Truth Social to elevate his messaging, DeSantis' wife Casey DeSantis further teased the likely run on Twitter with a video showing DeSantis taking to a stage with American flag backdrop. Uh, all right, I think that's it for the for the article. But overall, he's not scheduled to win the presidency, but I do think that this will be a fun few months heading into 2024 i really do think so uh because when you think about desantis he just he just he's what a a, like he is what the average person thinks of when they think of like an outsider shaking up things in dc like that's what you think of when i think of desantis when i think of desantis like i think of how an insider views an insider to be an outsider in regards to how they view dc I know I just said a tongue twister there, but it made sense in my head, and it made sense when I said it out loud. Uh, that's what I view when I think of DeSantis. I think of an individual that is a fake populist. He is. He's a fake populist. In my opinion, he is uh, He is a fake populist, just like Trump is, in my opinion. But with him, he just does such a horrible job at pretending like he's an outsider. He really does. Like He really does a horrible job. When you see him trying to go to, you know, parts of middle america or like you know these dusty diners and you know these restaurants and you see him shaking hands and kissing babies you're like this all seems so planned out and so rehearsed and he's just so bad at it he just really is so bad at it and do i think that he will be an individual that will make positive contributions to the presidency when he does get announced as president who knows if he will i do think they'll there will be there will be some chicanery involved i do think that there will be some pardon you know the cringe of me saying that but i do think there will be some politics involved especially with the primary for the Republican primary primary where he does get announced as president or does get announced as a candidate for the republicans for the 2024 election if that does happen do i think that there that he will change the presidency in any way, shape, or form? No. And I and that's the issue. I think that he will just be another Mitt Romney kind of guy, another type of Jeb Bush kind of guy that will do exactly what he's been told to do, and that will be his presidency if he does win the presidency, which I don't think he will. You know, that's what I think will happen. Um again, I think with Ron DeSantis, he's just it it it's as I said before, and I think it's the best way to say it. It it just seems so rehearsed, like it really does. And that's a, the thing that I think Trump has the edge on is that I think Trump will just bully DeSantis. He knows that DeSantis is his closest opponent. He understands that even though he's beating him in the ratings, even though uh, the rankings have him number one and DeSantis is number two as a very far off number two, he understands that. He's got to do everything in, in, in his power to make sure that he just bullies him. And I think that he will do that successfully. I really do think so. Now, do I think calling him Meatball Ron or Ron DeSanctimonious will do it? No, I just think that him just going up on stage and just ripping his him a new one will, will effectively allow him to get an edge on him. I do think so. So... Overall, with Ron DeSantis, I don't think he'll win. Uh, I don't think he'll win 2024, unless the RNC gets involved and they sort of sway the election to DeSantis, because I do think that that will happen. I do think that that is a good chance of that happening. What the DNC did to Bernie the last two elections, I think that that will happen against Trump in this election. And hopefully I'm proven wrong, because I do think that will be a much more interesting storyline between Biden and Trump round two than, say, biden and desantis because if it's biden and desantis i think biden will easily win that election but if the rnc does rig the election to go trump's uh, to go desantis way then i i do think that that will just add more to it i really do think so um but overall, when you think about DeSantis, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, DeSantis is a fake populist. I mean, yeah, he may have some isu- he may have some issues that he's right on, right? Like the lockdowns, right? I think he was dead on about the lockdowns. Uh, you know, there are certain, certain things that he says that people within the, within the Republican base like. You know, whether it's the trans drag shows. You know, I'm sure a lot of the Republican voters like that kind of stuff. But when it comes to his foreign policy, it's just... It's honestly no different than Trump. It really is. He's Mister Israel. He's Mister Jerusalem. He will do everything in his power to make sure that Israel gets funding, right? Like the way that Democrats treat Ukraine, that's how Trump and DeSantis treats Israel. Like they'll just give gobs and gobs of money to Israel if it means that relations can be better with Israel, right? Like the other day, like I thought, I just saw I think today or yesterday that Biden gave three billion dollars to Ukraine for aid. We're just giving gobs and gobs of money to Ukraine just because of NATO. Like, that's the main reason why. And honestly, if you switch the sides, I'm sure you, we would see similar stories from the from the Republican base. I'm sure there are times, I'm sure if DeSantis and Trump is, is back in office, I'm sure they're, one of the first things they'll do is just give gobs and gobs of money to Jerusalem. I think that's what's going to happen, you know? Um, but that's, that's the thing, is that they're no different. Like, DeSantis and Trump... While rhetoric-wise, they may be different. Policy-wise, they're basically the same. Like, they're very much the same guy. The only difference is that one will tweet into the oblivion, into the ether at 2 a.m. on Adderall, while the other will be eating his weight out. You know, like, that's the only difference, you know? They're, but in terms of policy-wise, they're the same person. They really are. They're really, There's really no difference between the, the two of these individuals. There really isn't. Now, does that mean that their their that their rankings or that their ratings or the, the the percentage percentages for them will be the same? No, because at the end of the day, it's the way you brand yourself. And I think Trump's way of branding himself as this outsider, even though he really isn't an outsider, as this populist, even though one of the first things in office was to do the tax cuts bill in twenty seventeen, even though all of that even though he really isn't an outsider whatsoever, his way of communicating with his base in a very sort of rudimentary way of speaking. I think that's that in and of itself is way more effective than any of these politicians in their way of shaking hands and kissing babies, you know. Uh, I think, I remember there was a, a, I think a few weeks ago, DeSantis was asked in like a Japan summit or whatnot about like his, his, his thoughts about running for president and how did, uh, how Trump is beating him in the in the in the ratings or in the rankings or in the seedings, and Desantis has had this look on his face that was just like zany. I'm like this, it, like his his like eyes were like close together, like they were like this, and he was just speaking in a very like cartoonish way. I don't know if anybody has that picture in their mind or on the, on Google that they can like put put up, but it was very weird like it was very off colored it, it just didn't look not right it didn't look nice you know so I, I think that those are the issues that he will run into i think you know what howard dean went and went through in 2004 i think that's what DeSantis will go through in 2024 you know like the same kind of like you know even though he may have certain issues that you know are kind of popular i think there will be times where he just gets in front of his own per- in, in front of his own campaign. I really do think so you know the, the Dean scream will happen with DeSantis it will just be in a more cartoonish evil more hilarious way I really do think so <laughs> you know um, but overall those are my uh, those are my overall thoughts on DeSantis running for 2024. I don't think he will win. I don't think he will win nor do I think he will give a fair sort of fight. To Trump. But I do think that the powers that be, whoever they may be, will try and find ways to sway the primary in his favor. I hope I'm wrong about that, but it looks like that's going to happen. You know, I, I mean, I still think Trump is going to beat DeSantis. Like, I'll be very upfront here. Trump is going to beat DeSantis. But I do think that there will be outside forces that will prohibit that from happening. You know, because they don't want to have Trump in office again. The Republicans in office don't want to have Trump in office again. They just don't. At all. So even though Trump and DeSantis are no different from one another, they policy-wise, they're basically one and one the same. Uh, I do think that, that at this moment in time, Trump has a better connection with the voters and with his base than, say, DeSantis. And when you see Trump having higher projections than DeSantis in his own home state of Florida, that's an issue and that's a cause of concern for his candidacy. So those are my overall thoughts on that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say all that. Uh, I don't know how I want to clip this or YouTube short this. I really don't know how to. Uh, I am not a fan of YouTube shorts. I know I keep bringing this up every podcast, but I'm just not a fan of YouTube shorts. I think taking myself out of context just to curry favor with a select few amount of people on the YouTube shorts feed it's just not good. It's just not a effective way of communicating my thoughts. It just it's just not. I mean, hats off to anybody that can do it, right? I mean, I think there are times where YouTube shorts are a good thing, right? Like if you're if you're a stand-up comedian and if you're like a person that really values the laughs per minute, you know, the, the amount of people that laugh per minute, the amount of individuals that that you want that you want to get your art across or stand up across and you're trying to find ways to get that in a one minute sound. But i think that's great right like if you're a one-liner comic that really focuses on the punch lines and the tags and making sure that you know people are able to get that you know you know serotonin boost after after a few seconds then i think that's great right i think that's a really good thing but when it comes to like political stuff and political takes to get it out in one minute without taking yourself out of context or without you know making sure without without having people sort of be un, uncertain of what you're going through i think that's way too difficult it really is like i speak from experience it's what it's so difficult to make sure that people get a gist to what you're saying in in one minute when especially when it comes to politics it's just so difficult to do that uh, so for me, like, I don't know how I'm going to clip this. I probably won't clip this. Uh, but if I do, it will be a very interesting one minute. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's all I can really say in regards to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just not a fan of the YouTube shorts. I'm just not, I, I try, I'm trying my best to, like, I really am. I'm trying my best to make sure that people get what I'm saying, but it's just so difficult to do that. It really is. By the way, I'm 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 I, I I understand. I got like a huge bug bite over here on Monday, and it's driving me off the wall. And you can probably see it on the video, but it's driving me off the wall, and uh, I need to do something about it. So hopefully that will get fixed by Thursday. Uh, when you when you next see me, but yeah, overall it's a slow news day. All right, there's not much to really talk about. I could talk about the Celtics and how they won their first game against Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat, but why would I? subject yourself through that torture of the celtics you know why would i do that so uh yeah overall not a lot of news uh for today and this next topic will show you why so if you guys don't know lily rose depths the idol premiered at con and it received a five minute standing ovation uh which is not that great uh as i've said in the rundown elvis got nearly 20 minutes of a standing ovation um you know, there's been other movies that weren't that great that also got standing ovations that were long. I'm pretty sure Crash in 2004 premiered at con and it got a longer standing ovation. I might be wrong on that. I probably will. I probably am wrong about that. But in my mind of minds, I'm pretty sure if that film premiered at con, it would get a longer standing ovation than that. I that say the idol. So again, finding standing ovation, it, it's not good, right? This is not the old con, right? This is not the con where they booed. Vincent Gallo mercil- mercilessly for the brown bunny, right? Like this is not that kind of con. It's it's softened up a bit. And uh, you can see why. So this is from the cut. Uh, and I think this is a little bit more editorialized. But again, it's entertainment more so than politics. And so I don't really mind it if it's kind of editorialized. So if it's politics, then I'm like, okay, like just say the news for what it is. But uh, this is from the cut. So Uh, the uh, I wish I could unlearn everything I know about the idol Uh, and that's the way that they, uh, sort of spun this uh, article, but yeah, I'm just going to pull it up here uh, and uh, we can sort of discuss it. I don't know if you've heard much about the idol HBO's latest offering and more vibes than TV show category. If you have not consider yourself warned sinister ponytails and a mess of controversy ahead, the show will hit the network's revamp streaming platform max in June which is such a bad way of rebranding your platform right why would you i mean hbo is such a great slogan like the the name itself is is a testament to premier quality programming whether it's succession whether it's the white lotus the sopranos um you know whether it is that of, say, Euphoria, even though I haven't really watched Euphoria. So I can't give you my overall thoughts on that. But when it comes to those shows, and even more than that, like, I mean, there's so many other shows that I think that when I think about HBO, it's synonymous with good quality programming. And when, even when you think about specials, you know, I mean, when you think about, you know, George Collins HBO specials, even though I'm not a big fan of George Collins, when you think about, H, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle's Killing on Softly, uh, or that of, say, even I mean, even draw Carmichael's special, like HBO specials, like Love of the Store Eight. I mean, HBO is so synonymous with good quality and particular scripted programming. So to to rebrand yourself as Max, why would you do that? I mean, I think it comes at the expense of getting more people to watch your platform. I, I just think it's so weird. uh and, and let me continue with the article. And though relatively little is clear about its actual contents a spate of information about its ominous backstory is already available we know that the weekend legal name abel tesfaye uh, co-created the series with euphoria showrunner stan levinson we know it stars lily rose deb as a hyper-sexualized young pop star who in the middle of an apparent breakdown suddenly hands the reins of her career and life to a mysterious and greasy older man played by the weekend to the shock and horror of her management team we also know how we also know based on the trailers that there will be a And then it will continue. I I think I I sort of took this article and sort of broken it down. But uh, then there will then let me just so let me just continue with because there's a lot to unravel with this with this article. Uh, And I and I sort of like took pieces of it to like go along with it. But um, yeah, it's a. Continuing with the article, uh, with that in mind, the Wicking explained that for him, the biggest inspiration for the show was not a famous singer, but a famous vampire. The first thing I can think of is Dracula. He said, when asked about whom his character, his own character is based on, an original and subtle metaphor for the blood-sucking execs of the music industry. Sure, but think about it: who is under more pressure to be controlling and violent towards young women than Dracula, who literally needs to kill them to stay alive? um okay i mean he's not wrong in the in the description but here's the thing it got a 20 percent of ron tomatoes the early reviews are in and it's not good like if ron tomatoes if the same platform or the same aggregate of critics because i know it's not ron tomatoes it's it's an aggregate of critics who gave their opinion if the same aggregate of critics gave cuties an 87 percent what does that say about your platform Right? like and, and I'm not criticizing Rotten Tomatoes, I'm not criticizing the critics, but if your show is at 20% and QD is at 87% and QD sucks, then what does that say about your show? And in particular, what does that say about the critics? So like, I'm not cr- trashing on the critics here and I'm not trashing on the show. All I'm saying is that it's very inter- interesting to see the numbers for both of those shows. It really is, you know, because if one's bad, then the other has to be bad as well, right? You can't just have one be eighty-seven percent and the other be 20 percent. Like they're both bad shows. I didn't watch Cuties, but based off the clips that I've seen of it, it's a bad show. Like you can you can tell it's a bad show. It's a it's a horrible show. Like that show, the fact that that show is on the air is concerning. It really is. I'm I'm not saying like we should ban art or censor art. I'm just saying that. If you see a show with that kind of messaging in it and you still like say like, yeah, it's great. It's a great show. It's like, what are you doing here? Like, I'm not saying that we should censor art. I'm not that kind of guy, but I'm just saying that you got to be honest about it. You know, you got to be honest and vocal about your opinions and stuff. And and if the show stinks, like it, it is, like that show does, then why are you giving it a good rating? You know, so anyways back into the discussion of this uh horror may actually be an apt genre for the idol the reports detailed of which have been had made have made me wish that like he weakens vampire alter ego i could i could shut myself in a dark okay i don't want to read the editorialized version i don't want to do that but as rolling stone recently reported the show has been the past several years in limbo after a removed rehaul essentially scrapped the entire thing and reshot it without its original director the girlfriend experiences amy simon's several industry reports have claimed that the weekend and levinson took over with the goal of pivoting away from the female perspective of death's character and the show quickly became a misogynistic violent porn fest a crew member described the result in rolling stone as a show about a man who gets to abuse this woman and she loves it while another simply called a rape fantasy Uh, One proposed scene allegedly had, okay, that's a little too graphic, but uh, one proposed scene allegedly had Depp's character carry an egg in her vagina while begging the weekend's character to to, uh, rape her uh that is uh very graphic and uh yeah overall this show seems very bad uh neither okay let me continue with it the neither show's creators seem too perturbed by the optics of their creative decisions at the con press conference levinson said that his first reaction to the rolling Stone report was i think we're about to have the biggest show this summer he also claimed the piece left out details that didn't fit its narrative though he did not relay any of those emissions to reporters all right so Do I think it'll be the biggest show of the summer? Yeah, but that's because there's a writer's strike and that's because most shows are in limbo as well. So do I think that this show will be big in the summer? Yeah, I mean, I think this will get, you know, the high school kids to watch it, maybe even some of the college kids that are are still mentally in high school to watch it. Uh, Personally, for me, I'm not really interested in watching it. I just think it's not for me. Like, I just don't, like, this isn't, the type of, like, stuff that I'm not really interested in watching. Like, if this is like, a fictitious biopic on, like, Britney Spears' life and they, like, did, like, know homage to Britney Spears, then sure. Like, if this was kind of, like, the social network but for a pop star, a female pop star, that would be great. Like, if this was, like, the social network but for Britney Spears' life instead of Zuckerberg's, I think that would be awesome. And I think that's what the plan should be. But i just have this kind of like you know edgy for the sake of being edgy you know that kind of stuff like for me like i'm not into it like i'm not into edgy for the sake of being edgy like for me like there's got to be i wouldn't say a point but there's got to be some form of string attached to it like there's got to be some form of tether that like brings everything to center you know to just you know be edgy for the sake of being edgy like for me like even when it comes to stand-up comedy like i don't want to be edgy for the sake of being edgy i think that for me like there's always there's always got to be something that reigns me in you know that makes me feel more like i can connect with the audience and that's just for me as a stand-up comedian right like for me like the the, the beautiful thing about stand-up comedy is that and a lot of people don't realize this but your editors are the audience like the, if, the, if the audience doesn't like your joke, they'll let you know in real time that they don't like your jokes. And I think that television could benefit from that. You know, I think that's the one thing about Sam Comedy that I think has the edge on television is that if you, you if a joke stinks, the audience will let you know that a joke stinks. When it comes to a show, no one in Hollywood's going to tell Sam Levinson, the guy who, create, who created Euphoria, and The Weekend, a person that can sell out basketball arenas, That their show stinks because they realize that they are at the expense of these individuals they realize that that for them to make rent for them to make their mortgage they got to make sure that the weekend and sam levinson are happy enough to make the show you know so i don't hate on the weekend having that dracula like complex i think the execution of the show could have been better uh, if they were sort of able to adhere to what their original plans were. Uh, but again, I don't... For me, like when I see the reports of The weekend and Sam Levinson taking the reins of the show, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Who would say no to The weekend and Sam Levinson? Now, obviously, if you're a good enough corporate exec, you would say no to their plans, right? If you're a good enough corporate exec, you would say, okay, you're not this is, this show sucks you know this show is not in the same vein or in the same perspective of game of thrones because that's what you're competing at you're competing against people that just watch game of thrones on loop you're competing against individuals that watch the original matrix which i assume the matrix is on hbo max um you're competing against the sopranos you're competing against um euphoria another show that levinson created you're competing against the white lotus it, our your show is competing against these other shows that have won Emmys and that have won critical and commercial acclaim. You got to step up to the plate here. You got to make sure that the show's good. And I don't think there's anybody that told Weekend and Levinson that, you know. And I think that 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 seems to be an issue, right? Like for me, like I know there's a lot of times that like creative individuals will be like, oh, I I can't have corporate studio execs give me notes you know and and i i understand that like i understand that sentiment but sometimes those studio notes could help you you know i'm I'm not, i'm not saying that you know having 100 creative control on a product is bad i'm not saying that you know hopefully people aren't taking that out of context i'm just saying that sometimes having some sort of pushback having some sort of notes attached to your show maybe that could be a good thing you know i think that's a good thing and more more often more often than not it could be a good thing you know I mean, there are times where it could suck, right? There are times where, you know, you get a studio note where, like, there will be like, oh, include some advertising into it, you know, include some, you know, we have a sponsorship deal with Pringles, make sure that you have a Pringles can in the scene. Like, obviously, that kind of, you know, notes, those are bad, right? But sometimes a studio note could be helpful at times, you know, I think that's something that could have been useful for the show if they wanted to make a good enough show. Now, for me, I'm not going to watch it. I'm, I'm going to be very honest here. Like, if I see that there's that the show is good, then maybe I will. But based off the early reports of it, it does not look like a good show. Uh, based off the lack of a standing ovation um, at Khan, all of that screams that this show will not be good. Um, I am interested to see Lily Rose Depp because I do think that, obviously, she is Johnny's uh, daughter. But... I do think that there is something to that, you know. If her acting was good, then it'll be great to see her in more films and more roles. If not, then that 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 will be an issue. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know she's a nepo baby, right? So I think that she'll always get roles here and there. But you know, that's the one thing that I'm partic- most particular in watching. It is is just that character alone like i want to see whether or not she's able to bring the acting chops into this role uh which i don't think that this show will do any herself any favors i, I based off what i'm hearing is true i don't think that this role will do any favors but if the show happens to be good you no know, then i'll definitely be able to watch it and, and you know give you my overall thoughts on it but to be honest with you I, i'm holding my breath for that you know for me, like I think it's gonna be difficult to top White Lotus. I think White Lotus, in terms of HBO original programming, is the best. Uh, I still have yet to watch Succession, so I can't really give you my thoughts on it. And um, Barry is is good. You know, Barry is also really good, uh, even though this last season has kind of slogged here and there. But I mean, that's what you're competing against. You're competing against Bill Hader. You're you're competing against you know the White Lotus. You know, you're competing against you know, the Sopranos, you know, I mean, the, the, these are great quality pr- scripted programming that HBO has knocked out of the park, you know, and, and I think that's something that Levinson and, you know, the creators of the show got to realize, you know, is that these are these are the, uh, the shows that you're competing against when people go on this platform, step up to the plate, and make sure that it's quality and make sure that's good. And if it's not the case, then why even have the show? You know, because there's so many big names attached to it. So, like, why have the show then? You know, if the show is not that great, then just scrap it entirely. You know, not even don't even air it at, at that point. Honestly, I think you would get more viewers if you just didn't air the, sh- the sh- show, on, show on Max. Then just air the show on Max. You know, I, I really do think so. Uh, but, yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on that. In regards to uh, The weekend Show uh, with Lily Rose Depp and Sam Levinson um yeah i mean overall i i haven't yet to watch euphoria so i can't really give you my thoughts on it but from the select clips that i watched from Euphoria, i'm like how can anyone relate to this like i saw a part in euphoria where like members of like the fbi or, or like a swat team decided to swat a home by like destroying everything in that home like they were like shooting everything in that home to enter and i'm like how is this related? How how can anyone relate to this experience? Like I went to high school in America. Like I can't relate to that experience whatsoever. Like at most, it was like a party where like the cops got involved and everyone just like You know, threw their 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 stuff away. Like that's it. And I didn't get invited to those kind of parties anyway, so it's like there's only so much that I can relate to that show, right? But again, with Euphoria, it's like there's there's nothing that I can really relate to it, you know? And I don't know where Sam Levinson's coming from up with these ideas. You know, I really don't know. And I can't really tell you if that show's good or not because I did not watch it. Uh, I did not watch... I'm, I'm speaking this from a, from a guy that just saw an HBO show on the platform. Like, okay, this could be good. And then you do, do some research and you're like, okay, I guess it's not that good. You know, so overall i am hoping that it could be a good show if it's good if it's a good show then i definitely watch it if not then i probably won't i most definitely won't uh but yeah overall those are my thoughts on the idol and uh their first and probably their last season i i I assume this is a limited series i if this this is like a if this is continuous like game of thrones or euphoria it's like there's only so much you can make interesting but If they go for like a social network kind of feel to this show, then it could be good, you know. But if not, then there's no really, there's no real point to it. So, overall, those are my thoughts on the Idol uh, season one and probably their only season. Uh, So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, I think that's it for the podcast for today. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click, click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel my podcast clips channel and my up channel make sure you follow me on my instagram twitter and tiktok all the links are down in the description box below make sure you rate a review on apple Podcasts and spotify uh and if you could make sure you spread it uh through your group threads and through your uh whatsapp chats uh to get more and more people involved and more and more people invest in this podcast is always a great sight to see and the more conversations that we're able to have the better it is and the, the fact that we're able to make it funny enjoyable and uh make it humorous i think that just as the cherry on top of it. So, uh, obviously, I will be taking the next podcast episode off, so there will be no Tuesdays episode of the podcast. Just want to let you know in advance. Uh, but until then, make sure you uh, avoid the bookings, enjoy your weekend, spend time with your family and friends, and, of course, watch Roland Garros this weekend as well, the start of it. The, the 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 first ever matches that will be happening will be on Sunday, Monday. So go watch it, enjoy it, and I'll see you guys on Thursday. And uh, from then, just... Enjoy your weekend, spend time with your family and friends, and I'll see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys, peace. See y'all.